Someone You Should Know, a program about people you know and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, it's Wednesday morning and it's 10 o'clock, so that means it's another episode of Someone You Should Know. Welcome, welcome. I hope you're having a great day. I am having a great day and it's going to get even better. And we are brought to you in part by our good friend, Christine Dean. Christine is the DFW Networking Diva. And I want to tell you about a new thing that Christine is offering. If you enjoy watching this show, it's because it's been produced by Christine Dean. And if you want to do a podcast and add that to your arsenal of things to help build your business and your presence on social media, reach out to Christine Dean and get the skinny on what she can do to produce a program for you just like this. Trust me, she knows what she's doing. And I love her to death. Thank you, Christine, for being a sponsor and also for producing Someone You Should Know. And our Someone You Should Know this week is a, a dear new friend, Monica Dusil. Hey. And Monica, welcome. Thanks for having me, Stuart. Thank you so much. It, it's my pleasure. We have known each other for an incredibly long time, one week, basically. That's right. <laughs> we, we met at, at, at really a, a veterans luncheon, a small get together, and uh, Monica joined in, and we started talking. And first of all, all of every every other thing that we talked about, I I said to to Monica, uh, I, I I know that I know that place, I know where you've been, uh, and it started when when you asked me for my card. You asked what I did, and I said I was a podcaster. Oh, tell me a little more about it. And I handed her my card. Now, folks, I'm in I'm in the Dallas area, but my cell phone was established when I lived in South Florida. Monica looks at the card and says, "Wait a minute, this is a 305 area code. Where 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 were you?" I said I was in South Florida. She says I was in South Florida. I said, where were you? She says, I was in Kendall. I said, I was in Kendall. And she said, and it turned out not at the same times, but we lived in the same vicinity as each other. And that the conversation just went nuts from there. But but you you were in, I'll, I'll start at that point. You were in South Florida because was that the time when, when you were working in the healthcare technology uh, industry? So my beginnings in, in, in Florida were actually as a respiratory therapist and as a nurse. Um, my original life was as a finance, a, a finance person, right? Um, Your original to, life? My original life. Um, <laughs> my first chapter, right? I, uh, I got my finance degree because I thought that's what I wanted to do and then quickly realized I didn't want to. But I was working at a hospital at the time and I just saw how happy the people were at the hospital. The employees. I saw the respiratory therapists walking around, you know, very prideful. Uh, nurses, doctors, all different specialties. And I said, "Well, I want to. I want to do that. That looks like fun." Um, so I got into the clinical side of things, uh, and that transitioned into the medical device technology. 
Now, I want you to expand a little bit upon that when you say the medical device technology, because we're, we're talking about a specialized area that you soaked up like a sponge, uh, and it led you really all over the globe. That's true. Uh, 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 share that with, with the people that are watching and listening. It's fascinating. Sure, absolutely. So when I... Back in the day when I was in respiratory school, uh, one of my clinical instructors um, had told me about a side gig that she was doing, and that was transporting patients on a Learjet. Um, so an air ambulance per se, but not a, a Learjet, not a helicopter. And she kept talking about little missions that she was on. So me being the ambitious student that I was, I looked at her and said, I want to do that. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to, how to get there, but I want to do that. And she said, well, first, kiddo, you got to graduate. <laughs> then you're going to need, you know, I think three to five years experience in a critical care unit or an ICU um, so that you can develop the skills needed to go and transport patients. I said, sure. Um, challenge accepted. So as soon as I graduated, um, transitioned from a financial role to the respiratory department at the same hospital that I was working at. So I knew already all the leaders and all the managers. Um, and day one, I remember it like it was yesterday, they were short staffed. So it's my first day on the job. And my manager said, look, I know typically we don't do this. I've seen you in your clinical rotations. You're very smart. You're very skilled. I'm going to have you work in the ICU with me today. Um, we'll be partners so that if you need something, I'm here for you, but definitely think you can handle the challenge. What do you think? I said, let's go. And that was my beginning um, of critical care and taking care of ventilated patients. Um, and never looked back. And from there, it was, you know, sky's the limit. Um, quickly grew through the ranks and became, you know, a leader, a team lead, um, was helping, you know, all critical patients. Anytime there was an emergency in the hospital, I was called uh, when I was on shift and was very quick to respond. So it didn't take me three to five years of critical care experience. I think year two um, was when I said, I need to know which company you work for because I want to go there. So I went over, I applied um, and got the, the job right away, <clears throat> had no idea what I was getting into, but it was a, a company, an air ambulance company based out of Fort Lauderdale. So all I knew was that I had to give my availability and I was going to get a call. And once I got a call, I was going to go. And that's exactly what happened. I remember getting my first call. Um, I was sitting at home and I was super excited. I grabbed my go bag. Um, they had told me I was going to, Dom to, they said Dominica. I heard Dominican Republic, two very different countries. If you're familiar with the Caribbean, that's very, two different, very countries. So I get in the car, I drive over to the airport. I'm super excited, have no idea what I'm doing, right? But I am shadowing because I had to do a couple training flights first. So I get on the plane. And if you've ever been inside of a Learjet, a Lear 35, they're very small. You can't stand up in them. There's no bathroom. It's got about four seats and an ICU bed. A lot of monitors and you have access to the pilots because everything is right within your reach. Um, so we're in this plane, we're flying a couple hours, we land and I'm thinking I'm in the Dominican Republic. I was not. Uh, we get off the aircraft, <laughs> we get put into, we grab all of our gear, we go into um, an ambulance, a local ambulance, and we drive about an hour and a half through this 
gorgeous rainforest. I'm talking breathtaking views. I had never seen anything so beautiful in my life. And right then I made a decision. This is what I want to do. This is incredible. Even though I was totally confused about which country I was at, I didn't care. It was phenomenal. I had never seen such beauty in my life. Terrifying, because when you look at the infrastructure and the streets, and you know, uh, I had mentioned to you, we were driving through the rainforest, and all of a sudden, I see these slats of wood on the ground. Well, that was the road over the creek that we were driving this ambulance through. So we're bumping around, and I'm looking, going, I hope we don't fall, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the planet. So now I want you to explain a little bit about you were on a, a ventilator uh, a therapy call, if you will, and you're you're landing in this gorgeous Caribbean island, which, folks, if you ever see uh, Dominica on uh, the uh, on the itinerary for a cruise ship, and I'll sign up for that cruise. You do not want to miss Dominica. It is a real gem in the Caribbean. Small but absolutely beautiful from the shoreline right up to, as Monica said, the, the rainforest. Uh, but I want you to explain a little bit. Okay, now you fly over there in this. Basically, it's, it's like an ambulance with wings uh, <laughs> because it has everything that an ambulance has. Uh, and you land there, and you said you had to drive for an hour and a half. Why? What was what was with this patient that your service was needed? So as a flight respiratory therapist, I was in charge of managing the airway. So really, it was a two-man team. It was a nurse and an RT or a nurse and a paramedic. Depending on the patient and the demographics and what was going on with the patient would determine what flight team would go. So... I was called anytime there was a patient that had any type of respiratory issues, either they were on a ventilator or they were looking like they were trending to go on a ventilator um, or something respiratory wise was happening, they would send an RT because that was our specialty, the cardiopulmonary system. So I get to, we have to drive an hour and a half because the airport is an hour and a half from the hospital where that patient was at. So we drive over to pick up the patient from the facility. Uh, we have to do a full head to toe assessment, make sure that they're stable to stand flying to a higher level of care. And that's all we would do is we would pick up patients that either were on vacation um, or on a cruise ship and were detoured to the closest medical facility because an event happens and then take them to a higher level of care. So I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've flown to Canada because a lot of, of patients came from Canada. They're just vacationing, got sick, and Canada will pay for an air ambulance to send you back so they can treat you back home. But typically, if that wasn't, if they weren't Canadian, they would just be flown back to either Miami or Fort Lauderdale because that's considered a higher level of care than the Caribbean. Ah, uh, okay. See, that's what that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap my head around now. You you have to drive out an hour and a half, get this this patient stabilized to transport them an hour and a half back to the airport in order to fly them back to a facility in the states to continue with their care. Now, exactly. I, I, you have to believe that somebody who is on on a ventilator or or needing to be on a ventilator, we're talking hours uh, here, and the the level of care that they have to get is is it has to be touch and go uh, as as you're as you're doing this. Was 
was this an adrenaline rush for you to be able to to do this with these patients? A hundred percent. There was an adrenaline rush. There was a deep rooted desire to help and to make sure that anybody that I came in touch with or, or came across, they were better off having met me, right? Or having been in my care because I made sure that I memorized those procedures and that I knew them backwards and forwards. Um, and not only the respiratory stuff. So remember, this is a two-man team. So if the nurse is tied up doing something, I have to make sure that my eyes are watching everything, that I'm not just focusing on the ventilator, but I'm focusing on everything that's happening. Is there a blood pressure issue? Is there a heart rate issue? Is there another indicator that's looking like this patient may be deteriorating or not doing well? Um, and alerting the nurse or, you know, making sure that we're both, hey, I'm, I got your back, you got my back because we need to get this patient's back. You know, in a certain degree, this sounds to me almost <laughs> like, like being a, a, a military a, a medic, uh, in in a war situation where you have got to make split decisions in and 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 follow up with that and be in constant contact in, in with what is going on, and you just didn't do this occasionally. You did this constantly for uh, for quite a while. For for many years, I did. I you know what? I really really enjoyed it. There was n I I didn't dislike working at the hospital. I loved it. But, you know, the routine of every day, same people, you know, every single day in and day out, this gave me the opportunity to really use critical thinking. Because when you get a phone call saying, hey, we have a patient, here's what's going on, here's what's happening with them, we need a team to come pick them up and, and take them to a higher level of care, that's a phone call, right? typically from somebody who speaks another language or is using an interpreter, you're not necessarily getting the full story. You're not necessarily getting from dispatch everything that's going on. So it's really important to be on top of your game, understand everything that's happening holistically with the body and make really good decisions. There had been times where we had to refuse transport you know, or delay transport because the patient just wasn't stable enough to with, withstand a long distance flight. You know, four hours might be too long for their condition. Change in pressure because we're going, you know, we're flying, right? So you got to look at everything. So I, it was such an incredible experience in my life to be able to really think up and, and, and use those skills. Are there, are there a lot of agencies like this that do this kind of work in this country? <clears throat> I, I know of three. Of three. I was going to say, this sounds like a very, very specialized field. Oh, yeah, there is. And I will say this. One thing that I did learn from this experience is never, ever, ever travel without traveler's insurance. Your traveler's insurance that you get with your Amex card, if you book it on your Amex, could save your life. Because a flight, think about it, a, a short flight could be upwards of 30, 40, 50 grand. And if you don't have insurance to pay for it, because your re regular healthcare insurance is not gonna pay for this. This is right. through your travel, your travel agency, always get it. And that's something that I learned and I'll never travel without it because you never know. I've had patients who were partying on a cruise ship, had a slip and fall, brain bleed, right? And if you, if the closest facility to where you're at 
is, you know, with subpar medical care, that's where you're going to go die to be, to be blunt, right? There's just, they can only do so much. They have limited resources. I'll tell you a story. I went to um, an island. Um, I went to Haiti and typically in Haiti, um, there would be an escort that would bring the patient through the, through the city to the airport. We wouldn't go into Haiti. Um, but for whatever reason, the coordinator wasn't available, couldn't coordinate it. So we had to go into the city to pick up this patient. We go into the city and it's mobbed with people. The ambulance is trying to make its way through hordes of people in the streets just to get to the hospital. We get to the hospital. I kid you not, the ICU where patient, critical patients were was a curtain to the street. We drew open a curtain. There was six patients. All of them were on ventilators. Uh, all of them were intubated, but all of them were sitting up. They were writing notes. They were communicating via pen and paper because there was no sedation, no gloves, no nothing. Um, this, this person that I went to go pick up was from Canada. And like I mentioned, Canada will pay to send you back. He was a missionary doing work. Um, and you know, something he ate, closed his throat, they intubated him and we flew him back to his family. His family was super thankful that, you know, we came and, and we were able to, to help their dad and their, and the husband come back and, and get the care that he needed to, to get back to doing what he loved to do. And that was, you know, helping people and building homes. He was a carpenter. Now, so what are we talking time frame from the time that you get to Haiti and you pick up this patient and then you get them back to the airport and you get them back to Canada? How many hours have gone by? So our our hangar was based out of Fort Lauderdale. So we're from Fort Lauderdale to Haiti, pick up patient back to Canada and then back to Fort Lauderdale. We're talking this could be, you know. 12, 15, 18 hour day, depending on if there were any delays, right? And Learjets only typically fly, fly four to five hours without having to refuel. So if we're going a long distance, we're stopping along the way. You know, we're stopping back in Florida to refuel, to get to Canada, to, you know, from Haiti or wherever we're going. And all this time, this patient is living on a thread. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's why it's super important to have a good team, know who you work with, love who you work with, because at the end of the day, you need each other. When it's a two-man operation, you de definitely need each other. There's no calling for backup. <laughs> There's no calling for help when you're 10,000 feet in the air. Well, I mean, my jaw dropped when I first talked to you, and it's still dropping because <laughs> I am absolutely in awe of of what you do and the composure that you must have to muster in order to be ready for any situation at any time. I mean, because uh, am I, am I right? You know, you could be on, on this flight and all of a sudden somebody is flatlining and, and, and you have to go in a different mood in order to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's happened. Um, that's why, again, you have to be someone who's ready, alert, ready to go at any given moment um, and smart. Right. 
Um, and I'm not talking about book smart. I'm talking about instincts. You know, I, something doesn't look funny. Let me catch it before it becomes something. Let me intervene now. And that's the beauty of medicine is that you have that autonomy to make decisions based on many different factors. And again, love who you work with, love, you know, treat each other with respect because you're going to need somebody at some point and you never know when. And I had a patient we picked up from Honduras and was crashing in the air. Uh, we were able to, you know, critically think and stabilize this patient um, to get to our destination. But it was a it was a rough it was a rough flight. Um, you know, everything that we had to you know go through to make sure that this patient got to his family safe. That was the most important thing for me. Get to your family safe. Um, whatever happens is in the Lord's hands, but we will get you to your family safely. And I loved it. It was great. It was great. I mean, it, it, again, I, I, I said earlier that the rush that you must get by saying I am being challenged. Uh, you have to be book smart. You have to be street smart. You have to need, know what to do in a critical situation. And to do it, that must be, give you such a feeling of gratitude. When you, know, when you deliver that patient to the, the facility where they need to be to continue with their care, and you said, we, we did it. You know, we, we were successful. We got them from point A to point B and took good care of them. It was amazing. It was such an incredible experience, such a learning and growing experience for me. Being a fairly new clinician, because two years is not a whole lot of time to be a clinician. I did really? not. Consider, yeah. Yeah. I didn't consider myself an expert by any means, but I did know a couple things. I knew that I was very driven. I knew that if I had to spend all night learning and making myself ready to take care of a patient, I would. I also knew when to back down and say, I'm not qualified or I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm not going to wing it with somebody's life, right? I'm not going to pretend um, because it's truly a life and death situation. So if I wasn't comfortable with, with anything, I reached out to my sidelines. Hey, nurse, hey, you know, whomever, I need you. To, I need your help here. I, am I missing something? Am I not seeing something? I need your guidance. I need your feedback because this patient needs us, yep. right? So. Except when you're thousands of feet in the air, uh, flying and everything, you might say, I may not be qualified for this, but boy, I'm going to be qualified real quick. Oh yeah. I'm going to figure it out for sure. Yeah. yeah. You, and, and uh, it, it, that is the amazing part of what, what you have done. So you spent how many years doing this? I'd say a good four, five years, um, flying. Uh, unfortunately at the time I was a single mom. And um, taking a lot of time away from being at home with my kids. Um, I have a wonderful family. I have probably the most supportive family um, any girl could ever want. Um, I specifically moved five minutes from my parents' house just so that I could count on them and say, I'm a single mom, but we're raising these kids together. And as a Latin girl, you know, anybody that's Latin knows we all are very, very close knit. So moving five minutes from my parents' house, I had access to them if I needed help taking them to school, picking them up, homework, dinners, whatever it was. Because even working in the hospital, they're long shifts. 12-hour shifts are not 12-hour right. shifts. They're like 14-hour shifts. So I was going to miss something, either the beginning of the day, the end of the day. But the last flight I took, we had a couple hiccups on the road. 
And I ended up spending, you know, three days in Frankfurt, Germany, and then a day, a night in Switzerland, and then another three days in Iceland before I made it home. Um, and by that time, my mom said, enough is enough. That was your last flight. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Your kids have been asking for you for the last week. Even though you've been in communication with them, they want to hold you, right? They want to hug you. Um, and I took it as, as, you know, this was my exit, right? This was the time that I was going to be allowed and, and privileged to have this type of, of you know, experiences. Um, so I took it at that and said, all right, I'm moving on to the next chapter of my life. And, and your children were how old at this time? Oh, goodness. They were, they were probably five and seven. Oh, so they yeah. were so, itty bitties, but. It, yeah, it, it, that was a, a critical life because they needed their mom. And all of a sudden, mom's to go bag is sitting next to the door <laughs> and the, the phone rings. And all of a sudden, mom, dad, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I've, yeah. I've, 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 you know, so, I mean, that was that was a big sacrifice that you made during a critical time in the, the kids uh, 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 career or uh, in their upbringing, they're older now. You w said you went on to another chapter. When you and your kids look back on this time in their life, you know what are their feelings about what mom did? I I have I have wonderful kids, and I will say my kids look up to me. They look up to the sacrifices that I've had to make, um, whether they understood it at the time or not. And I've made mistakes, right? I'm human. I I, I have made bad decisions. So I think we all do. Um, but any time that I made a decision, it was always, is this for the betterment of the family? Is this for the betterment of the kids? Um, all I ever wanted was for those kids to look up to me as their mom, um, who had them, you know, 90% of the time um, and say, wow, she really sacrificed a lot. And one of the things that I mentioned to you when, when we met face-to-face -face is busy people stay out of trouble. I believe that wholeheartedly. And yeah. I was going to do anything that I could to stay busy, but positive busy, productive busy. Um, not that I needed to have anything to do on the side on a PRN basis, but I knew if I was going to occupy my time, it better be worth it because it better it better be worth it in the long run because I want to be a better person, either a better therapist. Um, that led me into my nursing career um, because I wanted to grow. I said, what do I do next? What's al I've always led with what's my next? What's my next? So I went into nursing because I wanted to, to level up and do more and take care of more patients and a bigger population, not just a respiratory in a respiratory world. So I went to nursing school and it was great. Uh, and then after I was a nurse, I said, well, what am I going to do next? Um, then I went into medical devices with Medtronic um, and not on the sales side, but I, I manage a team of engineers that work on mechanical ventilators. You know, they work on life support day in and day out. I'm super proud of my team. I think they're an incredible bunch of engineers who have dedicated their entire lives to this craft. Um, I think they're highly skilled and I think they take a lot of pride. And I, I keep saying, I think, I know they take a lot of pride in what they do because I, they wear it all over their face and I absolutely love them for it. Um, I'm very proud to lead a team of, of prideful individuals that worry about patients. <clears throat> Every time they touch a ventilator, what happens in their mind is this could be a family member, 
This could be a neighbor. This could be somebody that I know or potentially impact that's going to go on this ventilator. So whatever I touch, I better make sure that I touch it with the Lord leading my hands. And I love that about them because it's true. And, you know, and what's interesting is that every time you had a new chapter enter your life and everything, it usually involved more schooling, uh, learning more things. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, it, some people would say, oh, I don't want to go back to school. And, and uh, you, you just relished it. You just ate it all up. And, and, and that's why I say that's what makes you such a super, a superwoman, uh, I think is because you have changed directions in your life, but you don't see it as, as drudgery. You see it as a positive challenge. Uh, and you said that after traveling all over the, the, the world on these, these uh, air, air rescue missions uh, and all, you, you finally settled down. Is this the time that you ended up in South Florida? So I, I was doing all of the air ambulance and nursing and respiratory all in South Florida. Okay. Um, I, I met my husband actually in the air ambulance company. So my husband um, was a flight medic and he, at the, he started off as a flight medic and then became the um, director of training and education. So because I was very part-time and was just coming in, I'd come in at two o'clock in the morning to catch a flight. Um, I didn't see him very often, but when I did see him, I'm like, oh, he's kind of a good looking guy. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't there to meet anybody. I was there to take care of the patient and years went by and I never really talked to him other than, hey, how's it going? Have a nice day. Oh, I got to do my training records. Got it. Okay. Here's my certifications. Um, and then towards the end of my flight experience, when you know I knew it was coming to an end and winding down, and he ended up leaving the company as well, um, he asked me out, said, you want to grab a glass of wine? I said, sure. Why not? It's been a long day. I just came back from, I think, Peru. Um, and then oh, <laughs> just, just flew in from, from Peru, Peru. Yeah, two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> um, went to a training class that I was scheduled for. We went, we grabbed a, a nightcap and had some dinner and got to really know him and said, wow, like, you're such an interesting person. Um, I enjoyed our time. I remember he was living in Fort Lauderdale and I was in Miami. If you've ever been to South Florida, even though they're one county away, it's yeah. like another country, right? You're having to cross borders. You better to have a there. full bag of gas. And we were dating for a little bit, I'd say a couple weeks. And he's like, you know what? You're a really cool chick. I really like you. He goes, but you're geographically undesirable. <laughs> I was cracking up. And I said, really? Challenge accepted. Nine months later, he was, we were living together and then we were engaged three months after that. And then we built our dream home and moved from South Florida to the, um, the Gulf Coast. So we moved to Fort Myers um, into this okay. gorgeous home that we built and designed all by ourselves, um, which took me out of the hospital setting. And that's when I went into um, the medical device setting with Medtronic um, with that transition. My husband has been a paramedic firefighter for 24 years um, and is such an amazing resource. I remember I would pick his brain um, 
even after I started flying, even after I stopped flying and said, tell me about this, you know, what about this? Um, he's such an incredible educator and teacher and so passionate about um, medicine and helping people as well. So we had that that in common, even though we're polar opposites, we had that in common. We just genuinely love people and love to help people um, that we made, we made it work. And, and I might say that, that the two of you also have got an absolutely, incredibly adorable daughter. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my goodness. Because <laughs> I saw a photo and she is an absolute doll face. Oh, thank you. She is such a ham. I'm telling you. Uh, I had my first two when I was in my 20s, right? I was 21 and 23 when I had the first two. And it was a challenging time in my life. Had no idea what I was doing. The reason I moved to South Florida is because I was, you know, re I was newly married. I was pregnant. And my mom wanted to get out of the out of the bitter Northeast snow. Um, so we moved from Jersey to, she moved from Jersey to Miami with my dad and my brothers. And I'm like, well, what about me? I'm pregnant. You're my mommy. <laughs> I need your help. Um, so that's the, that's really the reason that I ended up in South Florida is because I, I just needed my mom, right. To help me raise a child. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. Um, well, especially and, in the career that you were, you were in oh, too. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then, um, you know, having kids in your 20s. And then I had Aliana, who's the baby, at, when I turned 40, two completely different experiences. You know, when you hear people say, oh, you know, being a grandparent is so amazing. It's so that I feel the same way about having a child later in life than having them earlier. Not that I regret it. Not It was just your head is different, right? You're you're thinking about different right. things. You're you're not as mature. I don't think you're as patient um, because you've been through life. You know, life's kind of giving you a one-two through the years. That by the time you're forty, you're just like, Psh, that's nothing. Okay, <laughs> okay. Do my knees creak when I'm playing with her on the floor? Yes. Did that happen in my twenties? No, but I can deal with that. Totally deal with that. <laughs> but she's such a ham. <laughs> And so now, now you are in South Florida and you are working, is that when you're working with Medtronic? I started, um, when I moved to Fort Myers, I started with Medtronic. Um, I was looking for something different, right? What's yep. my next, uh, great company and, um, was working alongside physicians to help with pain patients. So I was in surgeries a lot. I literally went from working from home um, 24 seven to now being on the road, 5,000 miles a month. And I, it was a complete 180 and I was on the road helping, you know, surgeons implant devices for pain patients, um, in and out of the ORs. And I was traveling a lot. Uh, and then I got pregnant with Aliana. Um, so decided I got to take a step back cause I want to, I wanted to enjoy her. I wanted to, to be home a little more. So um, there was a career fair through Medtronic that I was on some webinar on the phone, some driving to the grocery store. And this gentleman, who's a good friend of mine, was talking about a position as a service manager in ventilation. And he's going through the entire um, role. And I'm like, wow, that sounds really interesting. Too bad I'm not qualified for any of that. You know, I don't check any of those boxes. I have no technical experience. Like I, I've never taken anything apart and successfully put it back together. Right. Um, but I said, hey, why not? Let's give it a whirl. 
if anything, for me, it was an opportunity to interview for something and get some experience interviewing because I knew that I was going to go for another, for my next step, right? So I interviewed and I remember um, that I had no idea what I was interviewing, but I spent an entire weekend. I kicked everybody out of the house. I said, I need to research. I need to know all about the history of Medtronic, when they started, when ventilation came into it, all the different types of ventilators. Like I had a whole timeline of research and pages and pages that I had to research to make sure that I was prepared. Well, none of it was relevant to the interview. Um, it was just a lot of personal questions, you know, of, you know, getting to know you kind of questions. Um, and I went from number 10 on the list of candidates that they were interested in um, to number one, because I got the job. <laughs> but along with the position, I became a move for us. So we had to move from South Florida to Texas, uh, because the region that I cover is the middle part of the US. So that's what brought us to Dallas. And how long ago was that that you relocated here to Dallas? About two years ago, just under two years. So am I correct? You missed the big storm that they had in Fort Myers. Yes, thank goodness. But I'll tell you, we still have a lot of close friends in Fort Myers, a lot that are still in the uh, emergency medical services, so EMS, paramedics, firefighters, um, and our hearts hurt for them. You know, reaching out to hear, you know, the the tragedy that's happened, even just something as simple as your roof, right? Just walking right. through your house and it's raining through your roof because there's so much damage, and they're so backed up just to be able to help, right? All your personal belongings, everything. Um, Sanibel Island got destroyed. You know, yeah. it was, and I'm, it was such I'm a very tragedy. familiar with the area too and all. And I mean, it's, it, it was a big vacation area mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, the causeway that linked the islands to the mainland and everything was gone. Uh, they mm -hmm. couldn't even get rescue vehicles out there. They had to do it mostly by, by boat too and all, but this all happened after you had made the transition from Florida to, to Texas. Correct. We we came to Texas in 2021. Somebody somebody was looking down on you too. Oof. At that at that point. Many times. Many times. <laughs> so now now you arrive here in Texas and you said this is just just is just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you're with you're with Medtronic at mm -hmm. that point. But Correct. uh is Monica through? <laughs> Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Monica, Monica has got more horizons than most people can even imagine. Uh, because, because you became, uh, well, I'm, you have to tell the story of what, what Dama is, is, is about and also the Freedom Alliance. These are companies that you, you've uh, uh, started uh, in, in a matter of a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And you now even have a new horizon that you're you're crossing. Share it. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'll tell you this: um, what did I lead with before? Busy people stay out of trouble, right? Right. So if I'm going to be busy, I'm going to be productive, and I'm going to make money. I think I've always is this, is this you talking or is this your husband talking? Saying this is me. Busy people stay out of trouble. Was and he I... worried that if you didn't do something, you were going to get in trouble? <laughs> no, because he thinks the same way. You know, why waste your time on you know Netflix? I can't tell you. I don't think I've watched TV in years. 
I have no idea what's, what's on TV. I keep up with the news. I keep up with the things that I need to see. But if you ask me if I'm Netflixing and chilling, it's not happening. Um, if yeah. I'm sitting down, it's usually because I'm headed to bed, right? Or you're watching, you're watching Sesame Street with your daughter. <laughs> so she's watching, if she's watching Netflix or watching her shows, I'm vacuuming, cleaning, dishes, cooking, everything all around her. I'm running circles around her, uh, but I'm not sitting down and resting. So Dom is a company that um, my husband and I started actually back in Florida. It was a seat cushion company. So I had watched an ad about, you know, selling on Amazon. How do you sell on Amazon? And there was this course um, and I'm sure lots of people have paid for it, but it was, it was a quite hefty, came with a quite hefty price tag, but it was showing you from beginning to end how to pick a product, how to market a product, how to, you know, search for a product that's going to do well, you know, where to import from, where to get, you know, materials and, and everything that has to do with running an Amazon business. And so we did it and it took off. It actually did really, really well. And we were super excited about the successes that we were having with, you know, seat cushions, you know, orthopedic seat cushions. I still have mine in my car that I, Nobody better take it out because I need it to drive. <laughs> I absolutely need it to drive. Take the car, but leave the cushion. Leave the cushion. Exactly. So uh, my husband and I, um, more so my husband has, because he was really, really excited and really into it. Uh, we both did it together. Um, and it's still active on the Amazon marketplace. It's a Dama Sea Cushion. So Dama is such a weird name, right? I'm sure you're probably wondering where that came from. Uh, D-A-H. M-A-A. So that stands for Ducil, which is our last name, um, Aliana, Haley, who's my oldest daughter, and Aliana's the baby, Monica, Andre, and Alex. So it's all of our initials. And the actual logo is all of our birthstones, all the colors of our birthstones into that logo. So we were very strategic. So we've always wanted to, to make sure we had a legacy, right? We left something behind. We had something that our family could be proud of. So we say, why not put them all into the seat cushions, right? So we did <laughs> into that business. So, so you're running a business now also, and 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 now, and, and it will scroll across the, the, the screen, folks, if you want to get in touch with, with Monica, because she now is also in the insurance game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how, how far fetched can that be from being a, a, a business owner of a product and also an expert in, in, uh, uh, you know, inhalation technology and everything. She decides, you know what, I think I'm going to get my license to, to represent insurance. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and that came about just recently. And, uh, and, and, and again, you, you are just, you are just, uh, uh, you know, a work in progress. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at you and I keep thinking, oh my God, a year from now, what's she going to come up with? You know, <laughs> I, you know, the next thing I'm, I'm, I'm expecting is, is Monica to give me a call and say, oh, listen, I'd like to invite you to come to see my food truck. Uh, <laughs> or, or, because you're, I love you're, to cook. Yeah, I love to cook and I, I know, love to eat. I know. Plant, plant that seed. Watch right, out. Right? <laughs> I will say this. My ultimate goal is to have an office, an insurance brokerage office in every state. 
That is my goal. That is my mission. And I'm not going to rest until it happens because I have seen the beauty of what can happen with an insurance license. And I'll say, nobody ever wakes up as a young kid and says, gosh, I really want to be an insurance agent. That just doesn't happen. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. Right. But once you actually learn what an insurance policy does or how it can transform lives and how it can really open the eyes, because my target audience are the underserved middle class multicultural folk, right? Nobody from, you know, a wealth management company has ever called me and said, hey, Monica, are you set up for retirement? Do you know what you need? Um, Has anybody ever sat down and talked to you about that? Let me manage your portfolio. No, right? So once I started to gain this knowledge, I said, wait a minute, there's so much good that can be done. Because ultimately, to my core, what do I love to do? I love to help. I love to help people. And I'm super excited at the the work that I can do in the insurance industry. And it's interesting how you came full circle because you said at the outset of the show uh, that when people travel, be sure you get travel insurance, whether you're flying, you're on a cruise, uh, whatever kind of, of vacation you're going to take, get the insurance. Yeah. You say it's a roll of the dice as to whether anything's going to happen, but if you don't have the insurance and something happens, it could completely financially wipe you out. And also it's important. Well, having said that, now you have Monica to go to to say, okay, if I need some of these insurances, what insurance do I need for my situation and for myself and for my family? And I think it's a great full circle story. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you you are an absolute incredible lady you really are and and for only knowing you a short while i can see that you are so driven in anything that you do that if anybody calls that number that's on the screen right now and wants to talk to monica about anything in her past or the insurances that she represents now today you're going to get straight answers and you're going to get the research that you want in order to make the right decisions so Dear, thank you. Thank you very, very much for spending the time with me and being someone you should know. I always end my shows by saying, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And Monica (laughs) DeSil certainly is already taken, but she definitely is someone you should know. So Monica, thank you very, very much for being a friend and for being a guest on this show. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to sit down with you and chat with you this afternoon or this morning. Um, I, I look forward to the rest of our relationship. <laughs> look forward to seeing you again soon. Folks, that will do it for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Drop in again next Wednesday, 10 a.m. for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Someone you should know.